Welcome to the Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe. It's another weekend here, and we've got the Advertising Show for you with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. And also by Walter Carl Interactive at waltercarl.com with a K. Advertising Show of Big Radio Midgets Production. Boy, it is good to be with you today. It's a great guest, as always. It's the author of 49 Marketing Secrets That Work. To grow sales. Ron Finkelstein is our guest out of the beautiful city of Akron, Ohio. And Brad, you would say, what? Yeah. And, uh, but actually, the Akron Canton area, uh, just south of Cleveland, is an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous community. Lots of great golf courses, which I like a lot. And uh, a, real, a really cool area. Actually, uh, Akron Canton used to be a, a bedroom, well, not, not a bedroom, but a, a separate community from the, the Cleveland area. Now it is really almost considered a bedroom community. Really? Uh, a lot of development, a lot of good things going on there. Great airport, an alternative to the uh, Cleveland Hopkins Airport being less mm -hmm. congested and such. So we'll talk to Ron and uh, his book, uh, author of uh, 49 Marketing Secrets That Work to Grow Sales. So, yeah. uh, oh, oh, by the way, also in just a few moments, design innovation. Patrick Myers with us out of New York. And a little bit later on, our sales trainer, uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, price versus value as well. So well, what do you have there? Well, for those listening around the world, uh, you can book your flights through Expedia uh, to Akron, Ohio, simply by logging on to, what is it? <laughs> well, anyway. Expedia. That was a good plug for the, uh, for the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, for the Chamber of Commerce of I Akron. Expect, I expect the Firestone uh, Country Club to send me a round of golf. Thank you. I would uh, hope so. Yeah, exactly. And you know, uh, what's interesting, I came across this item, Ray, and I think this comes from the, uh, you know, there's the aha moments that we have. And then Some, there's several the, times, yeah. As right. Older, there's, there are fewer of them, but that's okay. That's true. And then there's the duh moments. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, politicians who rely on television ads to sway voters may not be getting their money's worth, according to a new study released from uh, MSHC, whoever in the world they are, partners find that uh, have found that voters are using digital video recorders to fast forward past the messages. Oh, really? The, well, the study surveyed both DVR and non-DVR owners in January of 07. They found that as DVR ownership increases, the percentage of political ads being skipped is rising, and the study concludes <laughs> that the new technology yeah. has an impact on how voters get their information out and suggests that TV is still an influential source of information, but yet sure TV is. ownership grows. Uh, as DV ownership grows, uh, it'll become less efficient. And I ask you, Ray, yeah. now, of course, on the one hand, high-income tech-savvy uh, people would also be likely to go to the polls, those sure. that would own DVRs like you and me. Right. And uh, my question is, is that why couldn't anyone on top of media trends take a wild guess and say that DVR Commercial skipping is not selective. When you push the fast forward and you go through a, a, a set of commercials, mm -hmm. you're not you're not looking and saying, "Hmm, I wonder which commercial I want to stop skipping <laughs> to get to my content so I can view it." I mean, th right. people don't differentiate; they skip through it to get they back to the through content. The commercials. But I got to tell you, reverse DVR. All right, you ready for it? <laughs> Which is what? All commercials and no content. No. Last night I was watching the television and a, we have a very famous ice cream here in the, in the Texas area called Bluebell. Okay. Oh, Bluebell yeah. made in Brenham, Texas. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so anyway, uh, 
I'm looking at, they're, they're singing Happy Birthday. They've got a country guy singing, they've got somebody else, and they've got a German Oompa band singing. Mm. Okay, well, there's a place in Houston, and here's another plug, called Rudy Lechner's. It's a German restaurant. It's been a right. fixture in this area for a gazillion years, and uh, they have a band that's been there as, lo as long. It's called the, I think, Alpenhaus, or Alpenhaus Band, I guess mm -hmm. that's what it is. So I'm watching the Bluebell commercial. I'm in the bedroom, and my wife is in the living room. And uh, I say, oh, my God, that's the guy from Rudy Lechner singing Happy Birthday on the Bluebell commercial. Was it so, really? So I said, Kathy, she goes, wow. wait a minute, I'll just back it up. So oh, she backs up the Bluebell commercial, and she picks up the Rudy Lechner guy, and uh, huh. there, there the guy was. So it's, uh, it's kind of cute to see that. So that's reverse DVR. Right. Okay, well, that's and a new term. You, and you were not... Uh Recording or watching a pre-recorded uh, program, so you couldn't skip the spots. You had to watch them, but you yeah, used to it to it. reverse. Uh, reverse, yeah, I see what exactly. you're saying. You can go back and watch something, so it's pretty yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. So that was a, that was a happy moment with our DVR, mm -hmm. and a very happy birthday to Bluebell Ice Cream as well. Uh, why don't we do this? Let's break right now, if we can, before we get. to I want to talk about Martha Stewart, and she's she's headed to Russia. She in jail again? No, no, she's oh, going okay. to Russia, which possibly that that could be. She could get in jail over there. That's though, quite possible. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick Myers with us, our marketing insider here on the Advertising Show. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Today I'm going to talk to you about a hot topic, design. But it's a different form of design. I'm going to talk to you about design-ovation, combining innovation and design together to help drive your business. I'm not talking about package design. I'm talking about design totally across a brand and its business. Design-ovation is about design where the consumer is feeling your brand. Something as simple as a toaster, if you can have one that's sexier and more fun, then you want that. So design can be everywhere. Two examples. One is Target. They've built their whole business on design. And the same thing with Apple. For anything from an iPod to a computer, the packaging itself you want to keep. So if you want design-ovation as an event for you and your brand and your client, here's a simple and fun exercise. Get a bunch of smart people in a room, including some designers. First thing, map out where your consumer is touched. Where do they see your brand? Where can you possibly touch them in a different way? Second, write a number of words. Aspiration, innovation, the words that stand for your brand, and then lastly, surprise and delight. So get people to think that that's what you want to deliver. Third, systematically identify different ways to touch the consumer across all these touch points. New forms of design that are possible, new copy, what would make people scream with delight. Fourth, start talking about outrageous ideas that no one would ever possibly do. Then lastly, set your creative resources. Send them away, say go wild, but come back with ideas as long as you link back to the brand's personality and these keywords, aspiration, innovation, surprise and delight. That, my friends, is a way to gain an advantage and drive your business forward. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. You got it, Patrick. Ray Shellens and Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show, and uh, about to welcome uh, Ron Finkelstein, author of 49 Marketing Secrets to Grow Sales, 49 Marketing Secrets That Work. Mm -hmm. uh, out of Akron. Uh, talking to Ron before the show and being a former Clevelander and, and, and actually working uh, in Akron and in Canton Radio, it's, it's kind of kind of fun to catch up on old uh, stomping grounds. If you know you worked in Akron Radio? I worked in Akron at the Big 64 
WHLO, which is still around, and I worked for, that was a Susquehanna station back then. Also worked for WHLQ in Canton mm-hmm. and WOIO uh, in Canton Market as well. That, good that may all be market. in the category of TMI. TMI? Yeah, too much information. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I guess you must have started in Akron, right? Because that's usually a smaller market, just getting off and getting on your feet and no. getting out. The, no? <laughs> that's actually that was, not, not as small a market as you think. That was think, a detour. No, exactly. Huh? It was upstate New York, Cleveland, Akron, Canton, Houston, Detroit, Miami, Houston. Yeah. Okay. So well, glad to around. see the vagabond life you uh, had settled down. Probably and your should wife. unpack the old suitcase. What do you think? Yeah. We've only been here about 30 years now. Well, uh, yeah, oh, it's a good, good idea. Martha's Stuart, real quick. Uh, Russia, yeah. middle class, magazines, TV. She says the market is hot. It's ready. Mm. She plans to bring her books, magazines, and television shows to <laughs> Russia, uh, tapping into an expanding middle class as income surge in the former Soviet Republic. It says it's a very, very opportune time, and she's known for taking advantage of opportune times, if you know what I mean. Yeah. On the advertising show, it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Looking for your customer's email address? Rob Fitzgerald, who runs Walter Carl Interactive, says it's much easier and more profitable to reactivate an old or lost customer than to acquire a new one. An email append strategy and an email change of address program are the most successful and cost-effective ways to bring your offline customer communications online. How successful is email append? How about a 500% ROI? Bottom line, the lifetime value of customers who receive regular marketing emails is three to ten times higher than those who don't. For more on building an online customer retention program and finding those inactive customers with email append, go to appendservices.com. That's appendservices.com. Walter Carl Interactive, with over 8 million quality B2B and over 130 million consumer email addresses. Interactive marketing, multi-channel strategies, e-marketing databases, online customer acquisition solutions. Walter Carl Interactive. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. These are the three largest selling soft drinks. Now, let's have a look and see what makes them so popular. Now, as you can see, this one is a cola. It looks like a cola. Hey, welcome back to The Advertising Show. Ray Shillings along with Brad Forsyth and our special guest for a few segments here, Ron Finkelstein, president of Acris LLC, a small business success expert, business coach, consultant, speaker, author, and trainer, has published a couple of books celebrating success, 14 Ways to a Successful Company, and uh, The Platinum Rule to Small Business Mastery, and uh, also contributed to 101 uh, Great Ways to Improve Your Life. My goodness, Ron, uh, you have so many things here. You've got a brand new book here, author of 49 Marketing Secrets That Work, 49 Marketing Secrets to Grow Sales. Welcome to the Advertising Show. Good to have you here. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Yeah, and you know, uh, before we jump into your book, because uh, you've got some great stuff there I want to share with our audience, we've got an interest uh, from some one of our producers before we went on the air today. Uh, wanted to know why 14 Ways to Success, 101 Great Ways to Improve, and 49 Ways uh, a Marketing Secrets. Is there something to these numbers? Are you a numbers guy? Uh, there's, there's a little bit to the numbers. The first book, yeah. 14 Ways, um, uh-huh. I interviewed 50 small companies to figure out what they did right, and it just turned out that they all did the same 14 things. So that's, <laughs> that's why that one. Uh, the 100, 101 Ways <clears throat> was created by David Ripkin. You'll have to ask him that question from oh. uh, selfgrowth.com. 
And 49 Secrets, believe it or not, what, I chose 49 because there's something magical about an odd number when you're marketing. Uh, it seems to sell better than 50 or 8 or even 52. So there's something magical about 7 and 9, and I don't know what that is, but I know that when I, when I end my, my uh, books and some of even the programs I sell in those numbers, they seem to sell better. So hmm. I don't know why that is, but that's why we've, we, we ended it in an odd number. Well, you know, Ray and I wrote a diet book, and it had two uh, suggestions. One was uh, eat less and uh, exercise more. And so we should have come up with a third one, Ray. Probably and then, so. Uh, yeah. Then we'd have that odd number working for us. Anyway, wait, very wait, interesting. Do it again, and then do it again, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, very interesting book. You have uh, several contributors, all contributing to uh, to your forty nine marketing secrets. First of all, how'd you come up with the idea for the book, Ron? Well, I do a lot of work with small business owners, and I started to realize after I peeled back all the layers of the onion, everything that I was dealing with was a marketing problem. And a lot of business owners don't know who to trust because marketing can be very, very nebulous. And I started to ask myself, how can I teach these small business owners how to do marketing in a very safe and inexpensive way, yet provide them the resources if they wanted to pursue something, uh, they could pursue it. And, and that's really how the concept was born. So the book is uh, targeting a, uh, a small business owner. Is that what you're suggesting? Well, the book actually targets business owners that are entrepreneurs and startups all the way to about $50 million. Anything much more than that, and they've already got dedicated marketing people, and they're already doing specific programs. But these are designed for companies that typically may not have a dedicated marketing person on board, or if they do, they're so engrossed into their industry and their specialists that they may not understand how to use technology or or the many different ways to promote your business. Some of them just use the old standbys that they've used for all these years. Well, you know, we're going to touch on some of the subject matter that you cover, but just to lay a little uh, uh, foundation here for your book, uh, I'm curious. You, you, that's kind of a broad, uh, a, a broad spectrum that you just described in, term of, in terms of both small business owners all the way up to a fifty million dollar company. I would think that uh, you know, after you get out of the small business category, that you're now, you know, for a, a mid-sized business, that you're now, I guess, maybe having the support of an ad agency, albeit a local and smaller ad agency or a marketing person on staff, but yet uh, a small entrepreneur uh, just getting off the ground has a different set of problems than than someone that has the assistance of a professional. And I, I was just, it kind of struck me int- uh, funny that you would... Uh, that you would have such a broad appeal. How do you think your book can appeal to, to both both markets that you describe? Well, you know, that's, that's a great question, and I think the value of it is out of the 49 tips, the book is written in such a way that you don't have to read all 49 of them. If there's a topic that really strikes your interest, you can read it specifically. But if I'm, a, if I'm a, an entrepreneur, for example, or somebody that's a one-man show or two-man show, you can zero in on things like email marketing or public speaking or writing articles to get the word out. It's just mm-hmm. kind of interesting that even if you're a $50 million company, you can do email marketing and you can do writing of articles and you can do public speaking to get the word out. Mm-hmm. So it depends, quite frankly, how you want to use it, how much time you have and how much money you have. Yeah, I guess that's right. Uh, curious uh, how you uh, came about choosing your authors who eventually contributed to your book. Did you have more contributors than you actually ended up with publishing? I did. I actually had to cut it back because... The, the the initial concept behind the book was 600 words per author and to do 101 ways. And then I realized that there was just too much content. So in midstream, I just changed and said, let's give these guys a blank page to really do what it is they do well and write some true content. 
So I threw away the ground rules, reinvented it in the middle, and uh, selected, in effect, the ones that had the best secrets or the best tips and, and went forward with them. And from your initial group, did you know all these uh, people or did you have acquaintances with them or were some of them unknowns? or how did uh, you Some of them that? were unknown, but it's kind of interesting how it happened. I, um, I had published a book with Dr. Alessandra called The Platinum Roll for Small Business Mastery, and I called Tony and I said, Tony, here's what I want to do. Can you help me out? And Tony is really well connected in terms of the marketing arena, um, part of the uh, National Speakers Association. He's written 16 or 17 books. And Tony introduced me into about six or eight heavy hitters, in my opinion, uh, David Garfinkel, Rick Barrera, Paige Stouffer-Hague himself, Pete Johnson, and a few others. And then after talking with them, they introduced me to a few others. And then I do a conference every year. Uh, I call it Celebrating Success, where I invite 12 businesses in to 12 businesses to nominate themselves. And I approach those, those businesses and said, you're already successful. What do you do, and would you share it with the people that... Um, are interested, and it's it was people I knew, word of mouth, referral marketing, uh, basically using some of the concepts in the book primarily, but the biggest one was referral marketing, network yeah, marketing. Well, well, based on how you went about getting your uh, contributors, I foresee a book, uh, 13 Hints to Networking, may be coming about in the future for you. Oh, well, you uh, know, I haven't thought about it, but I could probably do that pretty easy. You, you could, just from your experience of getting your contributors together. You know, we receive a lot of... Uh, copies of the latest greatest books on new marketing ideas and branding strategies and i'm not challenging you i think a lot of our audience would be interested in knowing uh exactly how you know that these particular marketing secrets work that's a great question and one of the requirements that that i used in my own mind was when i when i screened the authors they had to tell me the results they were getting so for, i'll give you um, a, a pretty easy one one of the the, the companies in the book don Philibaum of iac took $50,000 out, out of his marketing budget by, doing, by moving from direct mail to email marketing and webinars. And I said, show me, and he did. And I had another company that said he added several hundred thousand dollars in the bottom line by doing email marketing, or I'm sorry, web marketing. Sure enough, he showed me the numbers, and, and they were there. So the premise behind this book is business owners talking to business owners or uh, marketing experts or national marketing experts sharing their secrets that they use to teach their clients or business owners who actually use these to grow their business. It's great dialogue. Glad you're sharing it with us, Ron, here on The Advertising Show. Ron Fickelstein is uh, out of Akron and the author of 49 Marketing Secrets to Grow Sales. 49 Marketing Secrets at Work, that is. And it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show. By the way, Advertising Show powered by an incredibly cool tool called Tendency. It's on the shipple.com uh, platform, S-C-H-I-P-U-L. Ed Schippel and his gang do a great job here in Houston of helping us promote this show. So check him out at Schippel.com. More with Ron and Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show, and we'll take a break, and we'll come back and do a bunch more. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. 
stupid and dirty. Welcome back to the Advertising Show. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and our special guest is Ron Finkelstein, our, uh, author of 49 Marketing Secrets to Grow Sales. Ron, it is such a pleasure to have you here on the Advertising Show. Welcome back. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah, uh, we're going to jump into some of the content you cover in your book, uh, 49 Marketing Secrets. First off, uh, the platform, or the uh, format, I should say, that you've created here. You've got, uh, I guess, contributing authors writing articles under a particular header of uh, a category of subject matter, and each subject matter being uh, called a chapter there. How would you come up with the idea to allocate? And just again, before you answer that question, to give our audience a sense of some of the content, thinking to when, planning at 50,000 feet is Chapter 1, and branding and corporate image, Chapter 2, media strategy, Chapter 3, networking strategies, Chapter 4, and so on. How did you come up with the idea to categorize your book this way? Well, actually, it fell out of the material. When I contacted people and asked them to tell me what it is they did to be successful in growing their business, they asked me, what is it you want me to write about? And I said, the only thing I want you to write about is what works for you and something that you're willing to share. And what happened was they, when we started compiling the book, they fell into these chapters quite naturally. They fell into the strategy piece. They fell into corporate branding. They fell into media. They fell into technology. Uh, they fell into event strategy and then finally sales. So the book kind of put itself together in that fashion based on the contributors and, and the information they wrote about. You know, in the uh, introductory chapter you wrote entitled Thinking to Win, you say that one of the keys to success is creating an attitude of success. You go on to describe behavior associated with a winning attitude, talk about And I'm just curious about, you know, how does someone actually get an attitude of success. Is that something that can be taught or is it something that you actually either you have it or you don't? What do you think? I think it can be very much taught and I think it centers one of the, there's a total of seven attitudes and behaviors that you need to implement, but the most critical one is what I call selfishness. And when I define selfishness, I define it as intelligent self-interest. When you get really clear on what's important to you, you can become very selfish, and that drives your time and your behavior and the people you work with, gets you focused, gets you disciplined, really walks you through the process. And when you apply that to marketing, when you get really clear on who your customer is, when you get really clear on the problems that you solve and why you should be that, that one choice, it's very easy to get selfish because everything else just kind of disappears, and you really get focused on that target market. So it's something that can be taught, but it's something that can be implemented, but it's really about getting clear about what's important to you. But yet you you say getting uh, selfish, but yet I I think you also are very quick to suggest that uh, you have to surround yourself, I guess, with uh, great great talent and great people to become a success. Oh, you absolutely do. Everything that we do is through people how well we motivate, inspire, lead, manage, coach, counsel, all that kind of stuff. All I'm suggesting is that through selfishness is that there's only so much time in a day, and unless we get very clear on the activities that are going to lead us to success and the people we need to talk to that's going to drive that success, it's very hard to do those activities. You know, one of the uh, chapters that I found very intriguing was a, a chapter entitled Planning for Growth. The author mentions a, a concept that he learned from a, a, a marketer na- by the name of Jay Abraham, a, a concept which Jay refers to as the three ways to grow a business model. First, of course, he suggests that you can increase the – 
number of new clients. Then he says that you can go on to increase the size of each transaction. And finally, uh, the one I'd like for you to talk about is increasing the frequency of each customer transaction. I'm thinking everyone, of course, wants their customers to buy more often. So how do you go about this, Ron? Well, the biggest challenge with that is there's too many businesses that try to be all things to all people. And what they have a tendency to do is chase the money and not necessarily chase the right client. So they're afraid to leave some money on the table because they're always looking to pay bills. They're always looking to make sure that they can keep the doors open. The challenge with that is is if you don't get really clearly focused on who a good client is for you, get really clear on the problems that you solve for them, and market them in such a way that people know that you are the go-to person in that industry or for that problem or for that field, then you're always going to have a problem getting, getting business. The clearer you get, the better you market it through the Internet, the better you create your sales strategy, do your branding, the better that you do your referral marketing and your network marketing. The more you get the word out, the easier it is to do that. Now, there's a bunch of strategies, depending on your industry, that we can implement uh, that, that can actually work, and they're documented in the book. Uh, so if you're really interested in that, we can read about them. But the big thing for me is you got to get clear. you got to be very, very clear on what's right for you. The biggest lesson that I learned is my skills are a mile wide and a mile deep. And what I found is that nobody knew what, what I did. They didn't know when to call me about business. And when I got really clear on, on the few things that I now market, uh, my business went right through the roof. Uh, one gentleman in the book actually got so clear that he only works with lawyers, accountants, and financial planners, and he doubled his business just hmm. by doing that, just by making that one little shift. Instead of trying to be all things to all people, he focused on the three types that are most important to his business, and those are the ones that he markets directly to. Well, you know, you began by talking about how uh, you you can't be so concerned or so focused on just paying your bills and, and making things happen from that standpoint, but yet I hearken back to the days many years ago when I started my own company. I think Ray can relate to this as well. Your, your focus is all about paying your bills, and it's it's difficult to... Uh, you know, to walk away from business if it's not right because you, you know, you got to make payroll and you're a new company, a startup and, and you don't know about the future and you're uncertain about the future and you don't have that and momentum. We'll, go ahead. Uh, you don't have that momentum behind you. So how do you do that? Well, uh, hold the, hold the thought for just a moment because we're going to take a break here. But right, that's such a true thought too. And you're exactly right, uh, Brad. In the beginning, it's anything for anybody for any price. Just to keep the doors open. But the uh, same thing happened to us, too. Focus, 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 and what happens, it's magic. It do you grow. Back with more on the advertising show. How can 18 different companies all sell the exact same thing known as water? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most thought-provoking, groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. Your job demands you not only have good ideas, but great ideas. And those great ideas have to start somewhere. And that somewhere is in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. How can you get someone's attention if you don't have $10 million in a celebrity endorsement? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most innovative and groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. The next big idea demands out-of-the-box thinking. Start your search for greatness in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. 
To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy. Let your aching head and stomach hear this message from old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief. Great to have you listening. It's The Advertising Show. Ray Shillings and uh, Brad Forsyth. And out of Akron, Ohio, our uh, special guest this weekend is Ron Finkelstein, author of 49 Marketing Secrets That Work. Uh, it's 49 Marketing Secrets to Grow Sales. Am I reading that right, Ron? I mean, how, do, how actually do you say that when you say I wrote this book? 49 Marketing Secrets That Work to Grow Sales. I got you. Okay. I want to emphasize yeah. the fact that these, these aren't theory, that they have been put in practice and they've been used and they work. Okay, good, very good. And uh, anyway, go right ahead, Brett. You started to ask a question. We were rudely interrupted by these things called commercials. Can you imagine that? Can you believe that? What I can't you, believe it. I can't believe we accept those here on the advertising show. Yeah, Probably before should. the the break, uh, before the break, uh, just very quickly, how do you work? What cons- m- many entrepreneurs are all about paying bills and getting things uh, uh, paid and off the ground because they don't have that momentum going for them yet, and they're just you know getting things going. How, how do you refocus and are able to you know get away from such a worrisome time of uh, worrying about paying bills and so forth and focus on your business and your core competencies? Let's, let me re-ask the question in a little different way, if I can. Mm-hmm. If you're an entrepreneur and you're just starting up, it depends on why you started your business. If you're like many adults in transition that lost their job and they don't want to leave, they have a tendency to say, hey, I've been working in this industry or I know this product and I've been doing this for 30 years or 20 years or whatever it is, and they have no clue what they're doing. They open the door and they just think business is going to come to them. They don't do a business plan. They don't do a marketing plan. They don't even know how to sell in many cases. For those people, it's just very clear. you just got to get them focused on what's important to them and their niche market, and that's hard to do for somebody who's not used to doing it. If you're a little bit bigger company, typically what happens as you grow, you have a tendency to lose focus on your core competency. I worked with one company that was that had a really good few years, for example, and then they got away from from what's really important to them, and they ended up having to lay off over 50% of their staff, and they brought me in to say, hey, what's going on? And when I peeled back the layer, I found out that they knew exactly what they needed to do. They just weren't doing it. And that's all I did was take them back to what worked. You know, so the, it, it's a matter of being disciplined and focused. You know, you had a chapter about uh, a story where the, the uh, strategic planning concept was told through a story about a king and his three sons to illustrate the point about focus and executing uh, strategy. If you can, They made a TV show out of it, too. <laughs> can you uh, share that story, if you recall that, uh, with our audience, please, Ron? Yeah, that story was uh, by Dr. Pete Johnson, Strategic Planning, One Piece of Paper, Two Sides, Three Principles. You're done. And basically what Pete's saying is you've got to get focused, and your behavior is driven by your plan. That goes back to that intelligent self-interest or the selfishness that we talked about. If you have a plan with measurable goals and you know exactly what it is those goals look like, every time you get up in the morning, you should be asking yourself, how is the behaviors that I'm going to implement going to take me closer to my goals? And if they don't, ask yourself why you're doing them. That particular uh, article that you just mentioned is my favorite out of all of them because it really simplifies the planning process and makes it something that's very easy. And that's a process Pete developed that he was actually, when he was doing some strategy work with, with um, I believe it was the Air Force or the Navy, uh, that process fell out of the work that he did with them. So it's yeah. proven with some very large organizations, but I took his same process 
and put it into my business, and it works very, very well. Yeah, and I guess uh, we'll allow that to be a tease if you want to learn uh, the story about the king and his three sons by the book, huh, right? That's a great tease. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, or yeah. go to 49marketingsecrets.com, and maybe they'll tease it there. That'll be fine. That's true. There In fact, go. Ray and I are all about teasing. You know, you have several uh, chapters on business innovation. I think when it comes to business innovation, it's probably one of the more misunderstood concepts, uh, as one of your contributors points out. Many times innovation and the idea uh, for innovation is mistaken for invention. Can you describe the difference for us, Ron? You know, that's a great question, and for me, it's really simple. Invention is creating something brand new. Innovation is taking something that already exists and making it better. That's probably about the simplest way to describe it. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, The light bulb was a brand new invention, but when they did a fluorescent uh, light, for example, that was just an innovation on an existing invention. Mm-hmm. And the light and, bulb know, is about to become extinct again as we as they make yes. them go away. But we thank Thomas Edison for his work. Hey, That's we're true. out of time, unfortunately. Ron, continued success with your business and with your new book, uh, 49 Marketing Secrets That Work to well, Grow Sales. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Great. It's uh, the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and we've got a, a little bit more coming your way here in just a moment. So stay with us. TheAdvertisingShow.com. It's a great destination anytime, even on the weekend. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. You know me. Would you believe I'm Bugs Bunny? I'm also the voice of many other cartoon characters. But in here, they don't care if I'm Elmer Fudd. So I carry an American Express card. Just a little more time to spend with you today on The Advertising Show. Ray Shillins along with Brad Forsyth. And uh, thanks to Ron Finkelstein once again, author of 49 Marketing Secrets That Work to Grow Sales. Uh, Next week's guest, it's either going to be... Uh, Barack Obama, uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, or Larry King. Larry King, yeah, that's exactly right. We haven't I've figured got it out the suspenders. yet. But, you know, we'll tell you next week, okay? In that's other words, true. you've got to tune in to hear what it's yeah. all about. But uh, as you know, every, every week we've got Jeffrey Gittimer here on the advertising show, most every week, except uh, sometimes we do give him the week off because he demands it. He's very demanding, but then he's a sales trainer and very good at what he does. Price versus value. Did you ever think about that? What What are you actually worth? Not what is your product worth or what you sell worth. What are you worth? Uh, there is a There is a figure there that you need to consider, and Jeffrey has that for us right now. Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. Let's talk about the real way to beat price. Price versus value. You know, when the customer asks you how much is it, it's the biggest buying signal in the world. And sometimes, like an idiot, you give them the price in advance. (laughs) What are you thinking? But let's go to the question, how much is it? Let me give you the answer to that. It doesn't matter if the value is there. Let me make it real simple. Draw a line down the middle of a flip chart page. On one side, put prices too high and take the lowest bid. On the other side of the page, I want you to tell me what your customer wants. No, no, not your product. What your customer really wants. It may have nothing to do with your product or service. What do your customers want? Well, your customers want more sales for themselves, greater productivity, more profit, better image, more customers, loyal employees, 
better morale, no hassles, more free time, notoriety, all kinds of stuff. List all those things on the other side of the flip chart. Now you got price too high and everything the customer wants. Think about this. If you're able to get him or her any of those or even one of those items on the right-hand side, how significant is price? You see, the more value you provide, the less price matters. The head is attached to the price. The heart is attached to the wallet. Jerk on the heartstrings, and the wallet comes popping right out of that back pocket. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer, reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. And speaking of pop-ups... Uh, YouTube apparently has pop-up ads now. Uh, the GooTube team is not inserting advertising into YouTube clips as uh, pre- or post-rolls, uh, which I don't find offensive. It might happen, but not quite yet for YouTube. Uh, Chad Hurley has said that the, the in-clip ads would not be appreciated by the YouTube user base, and he probably right. is right, okay? Right. That's fine. doesn't bother me. So to monetize the extraordinary traffic at the YouTube site, the Google people are doing it the traditional way. Door by uh, door to door. Now, uh, by hmm. placing banner and contextual ads around clips and channels and other indexed pages, we discovered that these clever folks at Google, they say, are expanding their advertising offerings by selling pop-up ads. So while searching for clips by uh, our good friend Dennis Kucinich, uh, they came across a pop-up ad for Best Western Hotels, <laughs> which oh, is boy. really kind of funny. So yeah. if you're watching uh, YouTube, you're getting the pop-up. Now, don't they make yeah. pop-up blockers that can block those things anyway? And well, they, and you know, you know where they're getting the idea—the old VH1 trick that really started that. You mean with the bug? Yeah, the pop-up. You know, the pop-up where they would give information during a video. Uh-huh. You know, this. You know, blah blah blah. And you know, uh, Kucinich looks like he would represent Best Western. He looks like he just got out of a Best Western, <laughs> <Poor> as <laughs> opposed to your your nicer, uh, you know, five-star resorts and hotels. Anyway, Dennis used to uh, be the mayor of Cleveland, by the way. A long did time. he really? Yes, he was. Yeah. Wow. Well, and you know, our old friend George Lois. Uh, also used to be the mayor of Cleveland. No, <laughs> no, world-renowned art director, legendary art director, has helped uh, Kucinich with his uh, his last run for the uh, presidency. The presidency. And if you yeah. if you found that as a footnote, it had nothing to do with George's uh, uh, design work. And and just a reminder: forty nine marketingsecrets.com, great place to go if you're more interested in uh, Ron's book. Our earlier guest today, and I uh, mentioned to Ron that I'd give him another plug, and there it is. There you go, forty nine. Yeah. That's the number 49, okay? Correct. That's important yes. that you don't type in F-O-R. Right. So right. That's, that's very good. Yeah. Uh, lots of stuff going on, lots of stuff to talk about, and always uh, the, the AdvertisingShow.com is an incredible uh, destination. Viacom and uh, Yahoo are, are doing an advertising deal. Did you hear about this? Yes. Interesting. Uh, Yahoo mm-hmm. serving uh, sponsored search and contextual ads across the uh, 33 broadband websites, and the deal may be uh, later expanded to cover some 140 Viacom uh, websites uh, worldwide, which is cool. Things are going on in the World Wide Web, if you haven't noticed, okay? 
Yeah. Copia, glad you enjoyed the show. So glad you're listening. Tell a friend about it. Uh, TheAdvertisingShow.com, as we said, is an incredible site for not only interviews uh, with people like Ron, but we go back uh, all the way to 2001. So there's a lot of stuff up there and available as a podcast. And it's very easy to get. Just go to TheAdvertisingShow.com. Well, you're here. That's right. Advertising Show is brought to you by... Advertising Age Magazine. You, you can visit them online at adage.com. Advertising Show is also brought to you by Walter Carl Interactive at waltercarl.com. That's K-A-R-L.com. The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. This is a big Radio Midgets production, and we will talk to you next week.